We're looking at Psalm 128 this morning. And it's in the Psalms, which is one of the wisdom literature books in the scriptures. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And the basic teaching of these books, the wisdom literature in general, is summarized in Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now last week, Matt Hemsley wonderfully developed um, wisdom and walked us through uh, some practical steps on developing wisdom. If you didn't hear that last week, go online and, and be sure and catch it. Um, this week, we're going to be looking, emphasizing the fear of the Lord. And we see that <clears throat> a couple times in this, uh, in this psalm. In fact, Psalm 28 is like one of the shortest speeches or sermons maybe ever given. Uh, and it follows a pattern. Let's look at that together. Um, actually, the verse, the, it's only four verses is the, is the, is the speech or the, the sermon itself. And then the last two verses are really a like a benediction. So verse 1, he states his theme. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Okay? Then verses 2 and 3, he's really developing that. That's, this is in your bulletin, of course. We want to look at it. He develops that theme around work and around family. Verse 2 is around work. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. And then verse 3, the theme focusing on the family, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be, will be like olive shoots around your table. And then verse 4, he kind of repeats his thesis, his theme. Blessed, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And 5 and 6 are like standalones. In fact, look, there's four exclamation points in this. He's pretty excited when he says, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So some of you are sitting there thinking, I hope Corky follows that example, uh, keeping his sermon that, sermon that short this morning. Well, um, we'll see. <laughs> but I want us to look at fear, at the fear of the Lord, and then what the fear of the Lord looks like for us who follow Christ. Okay, in the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, <clears throat> there are four definitions, but two main ones uh, under fear. The first one uh, uh, says an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by, caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Okay, strong emotion, unpleasant, caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. And I would propose that fear can be a friend or a foe. In the natural sense, innate fear is a friend, serving as an alarm system, alerting us to danger. Um, for example, my wife Georgie, who is away this weekend, but she told me I could talk about her. Um, her senior year at University of Kentucky went with one of her best friends, Belle, to Nassau, the Bahamas, okay? And Georgie, from a little peanut, was like a fish in water, her mom would say. She loved the water, she was, and she'd been to the beach before several times, and, but they're in the Bahamas, they're out swimming, not paying attention, 
and suddenly the current starts getting stronger and they think, hey, we need to head back, and they start swimming back and the undertow has become so strong, they get so far and then they, they can't get their feet under them, they, they keep getting pulled back out, and as they're continuing, starting to get tired, Georgie said, I really f was afraid this might be it. I, I just might die. Um, and suddenly a big wave comes along, kind of throws them up a little further, and there's some rocks there. And yeah, they get cut up a little bit, but they grab onto these rocks and hold on as the undertow goes out. They aren't pulled out that time. And then they scurry up on the beach and just collapse, of course. Um, Georgie said, I had a new respect for, fear of, the ocean after that experience. And uh, she still loves to get the up, be in the ocean. But um, yeah, so the, one of the typical responses to fear is fight. When someone attacks me or someone I love or I, I feel my life's threatened, I'm going to fight, like Georgie did there in the ocean in Bell, okay? Another typical reaction of, to fear is flight. Like a friend of mine, Jim, and his wife did last year when their home here in Vienna caught on fire. <laughs> they, they left the house, they, the flight, okay? And then another way that friend, uh, fear can be a friend to us is fright. A couple years ago, I was visiting my daughter in Arizona and out hiking and suddenly, like right there, there's this big snake going across the path. I don't know much about snakes, but I don't want to get close to them. What did I do? I just, I froze in fright, obviously. I just kind of stayed there thinking he wouldn't be interested in me, and I sure wasn't interested in him. Um, so fight, flight, fright, these are all natural responses uh, and good fears. But fear can also be a foe when it sinks into the subconscious and becomes a phobia. Um, the fear of failure, okay? For some people, they won't try anything new because they don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed. You can have the fear of rejection. No, I'm not going to initiate with people because what if they don't reciprocate? Or they might not like me, and then I'll get my feelings hurt. Okay, so... Fear is an innate, natural response. It can be a friend or a foe. The second definition of fear in Webster's online dictionary, and this was interesting today, not a dictionary from 50 years ago, but it said exactly this, profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. Hmm. I find most spiritual references in dictionaries today are kind of uh, washed out. But it says, profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. And other place, it used the word honor or respect as well. And that's what we often see in scriptures. And almost all of these are in the Old Testament, the a fear of God. Now, we as believers are not to shake in dread of God, but to reverence and respect Him is really important for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't think this way very much when I think about God. But the psalm says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, many of us have been reading through the psalms following this little daily card this summer, a, a psalm or two a day, 
And I thought, hmm, I'm going to look back the next week or two and see if the fear of the Lord is mentioned in any of the Psalms we've just read. And sure enough, uh, seven times in the last two weeks, it was mentioned. I thought, okay, let's, what can we learn from this? In Psalm 76, it says, we're to fear the Lord for his anger and judgment. Okay, that's pretty serious. Psalm 76 toward the end says, kings and leaders are to fear the Lord. Psalm 85, the Lord's salvation is near to those who fear him. That's nice, isn't it? His salvation is near to us who fear him. Psalm 89, the Lord is to be feared because no one compares to him. Psalm 96, a similar expression. The Lord is greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And then two that I especially liked, I put these at the end. Psalm 90, verse 11. Teach me to fear you, Lord, because my life passes by so quickly. And then Psalm 86, 11. This is like a prayer, really. Cause my heart to fear you, Lord, that I might walk in your ways. Cause my heart to fear you, that I might walk in your ways. That's saying the same thing that that Psalm 78 says, isn't it? I was trying to think in my life today what this fear, how this fear might work out in a parallel way. And, uh, and I thought about a trip that we took a couple weeks ago to Kentucky to be, participate in the funeral of a dear friend who had uh, lost the battle of cancer. And uh, to get there, we go cross 66, down 81, cross and, and pick up 64 and, and go through West Virginia to Kentucky, my wife's uh, home turf. And 81 is just the worst. I, I don't like 95, but I hate 81. <laughs> I think there are more 18-wheelers, more tractor-trailers per mile than any place else in the world. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going along, you know, you have to be really careful. I mean, you go into West Virginia and some of the, you can look back and forth, you don't see anybody in front or behind you on the interstate. But 81, that ain't, ain't that way. And I just, I found myself thinking, what if people, these truck drivers or these other crazy people like me out there driving, didn't respect the rules of the road? You know, when we pass our driver's license, we have to know, show that we've learned all this. And then we are supposed to apply it, but what if they? What if? What if nobody did? It would not only be chaotic; it would be life-threatening to be on the road outside here in Vienna, much less on 81, going south. And I remember I, I was thinking that that's that's another way of thinking of fear, you know, respect or fear or honoring those rules that we have agreed to uh, in our society. In fact, I remember telling my son and daughter a few years back <laughs> when they started driving, and then more recently my granddaughter, that the most dangerous weapon you're ever going to operate is this automobile. And um, because it has the power of hurting you and hurting other people, and even, yes, killing people. Um, so that was the best example that came to my mind about Fear in our daily life, respect, honoring, um, having reverence, as it were, for uh, something. But back to Psalm 128. 
blessed, or we can say happy, and that's a legitimate translation of that, happy or fortunate, um, is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, he's talking about blessing as the general condition of the person who's learned to obey the Lord and walk in his ways, to fear him, obey him, respect him, and walk in his ways. Two evidences of blessing were food and fertility, neither of which could be taken for granted back then. Uh, verse 2, he says you, that you might eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. And that was literally true for farmers. I mean, they were working the soil in this agrarian society, and they would eat or not have the products of their farming. Um, and it was true figuratively for other trades, eating the fruit of their labors. Um, and most other trades were related to farming in some way back then. Then in verse 3 he says, you'll be blessed by having a wife and children. And he compares them to an olive tree or to the vine, two plants of, of which were essential for existence in the Middle East and representing fruitfulness and flourishing. Now, we have to understand, and, and Johnny's touched on this before, the gold standard in Hebrew culture, the sign of God's blessing was prosperity. And especially in this male-dominated society, having a wife and a wife who bore many children. Okay? And again, Johnny's unpacked for us uh, on different occasions that a woman in that day and age really had no rights except as it related to her father or when she was married to her husband. And then she was expected to bear children, especially male children, for her husband. Now, the New Testament, though, sets a new gold standard, okay? The church is the bride of Christ, and each of us who know him are children of God. Okay, there's a new sense of relationship, a new sense of respect. In fact, the New Testament gives new status to singles, which was completely revolutionary and countercultural in that day and age, not, not just among Hebrew people, but among the Roman um, uh, culture there too. And of course, Jesus and the Apostle Paul were single. You know, they never married, they never procreated children. And so, we have to understand that this example he gives is, 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 is a wonderful example, but it's also very culturally, um, culturally geared. You're blessed. Yes, it's great. We can apply that to our work easily, but we, everybody here can apply it to their life, being married or having lots of children around the table. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. So what does the fear of the Lord and walking in his ways look like? We looked at a few verses from Psalms, but thinking of a few other examples of individuals in the scriptures, Adam and Eve, knowing they had disobeyed God, were fearful and tried to hide from him, we know. Moses, uh, when he saw the burning bush and was curious and went over and then realized that ground was holy and uh, he hid his face, but finally, even though he was unsure and unconfident himself, accepted God's challenge to go back and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Okay? The Israelites, 
out of the fear of God, put blood as a sign on their doorpost in obedience to him so that they, the angel of death would pass over in what they now continue to celebrate as the Passover, of course. Moses and others wrote a song. One, another response was writing a song out of the fear of God when they saw God's power in parting the Red Sea and they're walking through it and then the sea coming up, uh, over and destroying Pharaoh's armies. It says they wrote this, song, wrote this down and sang a song celebrating God's uh, power and faithfulness to them. Mary, in what we call the Magnificat, after her divine visitation, said, that, said this, He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God's mercy is for those who fear him, Mary says. The fear of the Lord and walking in his ways has many different expressions in Scripture. These are just a few. And it has many different expressions in our lives today. Sometimes walking in his ways, obeying him, means doing something. Other times, walking in his ways, obeying him, means not doing something. Let me give you several examples that are more up close and personal. For us men, sexual temptation is always a constant challenge. Surveys indicate that 68% of men in churches in America and upwards of 40% of pastors regularly view pornography. The fear of the Lord and the fear of losing their marriage, perhaps, in some cases, has prompted some men here at CCV to bring that to light, to admit the struggle, to connect with other men in a small group for help and accountability. That is the fear of the Lord in action. Sometimes sexual temptation takes the form of same-sex attraction. I've talked with several men here, um, some married with children, some single, who struggle in this area. Because they fear the Lord, they're not acting out, but they're seeking counsel, they're seeking help, they're bringing that to the light, they're talking about it, which is huge. A couple weeks ago, we had a car wash for missions. I went through the car wash and dropped a $20 bill in the bucket, thought that was, you know, pretty good. <laughs> Found out later that someone, out of the fear of the Lord, dropped a $1,000 check in that bucket after going through and having their car washed. Okay, as God leads us, are we obedient to his tapping us on the shoulder? Walking in God's ways may mean not carrying a credit card if you have a problem with overspending or have an addiction to shopping. Or it may mean not going to the mall where you're just going to be tempted to covet things that you really don't need. Walking with God may mean not hanging out at a friend's house because of the websites that she visits or the stuff she's into. A number of people here at our church uh, live with chronic pain. And for them, walking with God means, yes, trusting him every day, but not 
complaining about it. Not, and, and, and yes, even reaching out to others and seeking to minister to other people in that situation. More than one couple here at CZV have sought counsel to work on areas of their marriage where they're struggling. The fear of the Lord causes them to be diligent to face things, hard things sometimes, and to keep the covenant they made before God and before others. The scripture says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Now, no two people are alike. No two days are alike. God's blessing takes many forms and is bewildering at times. God's timing is often not our timing. But after almost 50 years of fearing the Lord and seeking to walk in his ways, I, and, and, and seeing others walking in his ways as well, or sadly sometimes not, um, I'm convinced that God's ways are best in every circumstance for all of us at all times. So how can I apply this? What does this mean, fearing the Lord, walking in his ways this coming week? this coming month, this coming year, at the office, at home, at football practice, at cheerleading practice, whatever it is. Let me share two thoughts with you in closing. In the course of my day, faced with relational and, and or practical decisions, I can ask the question, what respects God the most and reflects his ways? What respects God is gonna show the fear of God honoring him, what respects God the most, and reflects his ways. Now, this didn't necessarily come to mind or apply yesterday at IHOP when I was with my mom having brunch, uh, deciding which, what I'm going to order, pancakes or crepes or waffles or French toast, you know, whatever. I mean, but it did apply this past Wednesday to request for my adult daughter <clears throat> who is, is moving to Charleston, South Carolina, and she asked me two questions. Would you help me pack the SUV? And the second question, do you think there's any way we can get all this stuff in there? <laughs> um, hmm. What does it mean to respect God and reflect his ways? Well, as you might guess, I did help her. Um, and asking God at the same time to give me a servant attitude and a good dose of creativity and patience in the process. And we did get it all in, amazingly. Packed to the ceiling with her little support dog, Rue, in his crate at the very top behind the driver's seat. Um, God tells us, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. I was blessed with a sense of accomplishment the sense of a job well done after that with Rachel. But I was also blessed with the appreciation that came from my daughter and the strengthening of our relationship because of having that shared experience. Second thought. In the brief uh, verses, these brief six verses of Psalms 128, the words you and your are used 13 times. 
So what does this indicate? What th might this tell us? That the creator of the universe, the Lord Almighty, wants to get up close and personal with us. He cares about you. He cares about me. And he wants to be involved with us in our daily lives. He wants my work to be fulfilling and bear fruit as a blessing to me and to others in my company or my community or my world. Okay? He wants me to be fulfilled relationally, whether married with lots of children, as we looked at, or whether I'm single or divorced or a widow or widower. God wants to be involved with me in my daily life. And I have a choice. Will I fear him and walk in his ways? Will I make him a priority in my thoughts and actions? It means, it might mean taking time to be alone with him, just to get to know him better. Ten minutes or an hour and ten minutes, as our lives allow. And it means dedicating myself anew to him every day. Let's pray together. Father, I'm overwhelmed that you care for me so personally. I do want to fear you and walk in your ways, to obey you, and to know your resulting blessing. Teach me more of what that means this week with my wife or husband, with my mom or dad, with my friend who's exploring God, at my workplace, on my sports team, in my neighborhood. As the psalmist said in Psalm 86, cause me to fear you, Lord, that I may walk in your ways. For Jesus' sake, amen.